welcome back to the Our Story podcast. I am Reverend Calissa Dodderman. I'm sitting in for Reverend Matt Stone this week, and joining me this week is Dr. Phil Schrader. How are you doing, Phil? Doing great. Glad to be here to uh, talk about a really interesting passage. Yeah, absolutely. So here we are. We are in the midst of the Gospel of Mark, in the midst of our Comfort Food Worship series. Um, But where do we land in Scripture this week, Phil? We land in the 24th verse of chapter 7. Jesus has just uh, gone through a controversy with the scribes and Pharisees where they're fighting about what defiles a person, not that which goes into a person, but the things that come out of us, the things that come out of our hearts, the things that come out of our mouths, and those are the things that defile us. So fresh from that controversy, Jesus is trying to get away. Yeah, um, I think we can all relate to Jesus' desire for a little beach vacation. That's right. He heads out to Tyre, which is there on the Mediterranean, and he's tired and heads out (laughs) there to Tyre and uh, goes into somebody's house and he doesn't want to be noticed. Yeah, uh, again, I can uh, I can relate to that that sentiment. Um, so he doesn't want to be noticed, but he is. What what happens here? He can't seem to escape notice because there's a woman who is distraught about her child's illness. There's something wrong with her child. There's something terrorizing her child. Her child is not well. We don't know exactly what it means. It says an unclean spirit. And so she's heard about this guy, Jesus. And even though she is not uh, a daughter of Abraham, she is uh, someone uh, from the local area a Syrophoenician woman. Tyre's kind of halfway between uh, Phoenicia and, and the Syrian area, and which is modern-day Lebanon. And she comes and she begs him. She bows down uh, on the ground, bows down at his feet, and begs him to help her child. Yeah, and I think this is one of those stories of Jesus healing that... Um, stands out for a lot of us. Um, It's got one of those phrases that people tend to remember, um, because what happens is when the Syrophoenician woman is begging Jesus for help, he actually, he just dismisses her and he says, um, let the children be fed first. Um, It's not fit to take the children's food and feed it to the dogs. And the Syrophoenician comes right back at Jesus and says, yes, but even the dogs get to eat of the crumbs. I think that's one of those phrases that sticks in a lot of people's brains. Um, But, you know, asking the question of why that sticks in our brains and why that story sticks out to us, I think is probably important for our discussion today. What makes this a notable story for you, Phil? I think it just seems so uncharacteristic of Jesus. Uh, We think of Jesus, not necessarily meek and mild, but at least caring and compassion to people who may be in trouble, may be dealing with hurt, uh, uh, especially those who are concerned for their kids. He looked on the crowds last week who were like sheep without a shepherd and had compassion on them. And so how can he look on the, the Jewish crowds and have compassion and look on this woman at his feet begging for her child's health and not have compassion and not suffer with her. So I think it's shocking. Yeah, well, and I think it's not even that he doesn't have that compassion. It's that 
he's like outwardly rude. He's, yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's not just that he he can't empathize with her. He can't reach that space. I mean, I think a lot of us can probably empathize with that. Sometimes you you can't always get into a place where you can feel with someone. But Jesus just out and out calls her a dog and tells her to go away. Well, and and I want to empathize with him a little bit and say maybe he just needed to get away and he's tired and he just doesn't respond with the best of himself. But that's hard to think about with Jesus. You know, we always think of Jesus responding, you know, a better way. And but there's part of me that sees, you know, if Jesus is fully human and fully divine, we got a lot of human creeping out right now. Yeah, that is that is actually a really good point. Um, You know, I think. You know, especially being as as we are Christian leaders, um, one of the things that kind of always is running through my head is, you know, how would Jesus handle handle this situation? And remembering that Jesus sometimes makes some missteps himself, at least initially, uh, helps me to be a little kinder with myself. That's certainly true. Um, but this isn't the end of the story. It is not. It is not. It doesn't end there. Uh, as um you have said before, she answers him out of deep humility. She doesn't push back. She doesn't fight back. She just kind of lays her child there and her hurt there and says, Lord, in some translations, sir, Lord. And so she acknowledges who, she, who he is. Yeah. Uh, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Right. Um, and... And Jesus' response to her there ends up being positive. But I think it's worth us thinking about what kind of generates that shift for Jesus. He's gone from being kind of rude and dismissive to this woman. And then he comes back and ends up telling her that she she should just go home, that the demon has already left her child's body. So what creates that shift? What What is going on here? It makes me think back to uh, my friend Wes Allen, who's the professor of uh, preaching at Perkins Theological Seminary, mm-hmm. Perkins um, out in Dallas, where Matt went to school. And you may have heard me talk about this before, but he did a Bible study with us on the Gospel of Mark and the healing stories in the Gospel of Mark. And he said, to help understand these healing stories, you need to ask three questions. The first question is, how does the ill person approach healing? And how does the ill person approach healing here? Uh, the ill person doesn't approach healing here. This isn't the, the ill person is not even in this story. We have the ill person's mother, the Syrophoenician woman, approaching Jesus on behalf of her daughter who is suffering. So the intercessor. Yeah. Someone else, you know, lifting you up, praying yeah. on your behalf and how important it is to have intercessors, people who are praying for us when we don't have the strength or we don't even know what to do or we can't even get to Jesus. Here's yeah. a mother. Right. And that's that's, you know, notable in this story because this is a healing narrative that in in some ways has very little to do with healing. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> well, it, but that may not be true. I think it may have a great deal to deal with healing. So the second question is, how does Jesus heal? Uh, In the story with a little girl before, he tells her to rise up from her bed. Mm -hmm. Another woman is healed because she touches the hem of Jesus' garment. So how is this child healed? We don't even know. We don't even know. Um, What Jesus says is, go home, 
um, for saying that, so for 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 confronting Jesus for saying, "Sir, even the dogs under the table at the children's crumbs," for saying that, he says, "You may go. The demon has left your daughter." So, in essence, we believe it's um, in some ways an act of faith. But Jesus isn't specific. We don't see him casting hands on her. We don't we don't know the mechanics. All we know is that faith is involved. And it's a word. I yeah, mean, it is a word that heals. It, it is Jesus' word heals. Yeah. It's yeah. what he says and, and calls it into being and says, go home. Your daughter is well. Yeah. Trust me on this. Yeah. Which has got to be such a difficult thing to do. Um, you know, being the parent of a young <laughs> yeah, daughter myself, yeah. right? I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine being so desperate that I would seek out Jesus on his vacation, yeah. Um, then deal with him being rude to me with humility and grace and going through that ordeal and then just being um, totally accepting of the idea that, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, she's she's healed. I will go home. My daughter will be fine. Um, that, that to me, it takes such an unfathomable amount of faith and trust and hope. Um, that's a that's a really big moment of digging deep, I think, for the Syrophoenician woman. Yeah, it's it's a persistent faith, like yeah. a persistent widow. Yeah. And this determined, uh, who Jesus calls a dog, <laughs> this determined mother uh, <clears throat> willing to do whatever it takes to bring healing to her child. And then the third question that Wes asks is, what is healed in this story? And the obvious answer is the daughter. Right. Yeah, the daughter is healed. But uh, I was in a Sunday school uh, years ago at Peachtree Road, and my friend Luann uh, said, I think Jesus' ministry was healed in this moment. Wow. Um, yeah, say some more about that. What it, What does that mean to you? Well, I think the room got silent at that point. <laughs> it was kind of a mic drop. Yeah. Uh, Jesus' ministry was healed. And I think what she was trying to say is that maybe a young Jesus thinks that his ministry is to the Jews. And here, this is really the first and the beginning of several episodes where the Gentiles begin to be included in the story of the world to come. Right. So this confrontation that the Syrophoenician woman has with Jesus is a kind of turning point in in the narrative of Jesus' ministry, that um, this is a wake-up call to Jesus that I can't, I can't hoard my, my power, um, that, that, that this equality with, with God is not something to be grasped, but something to share. And, um, and that, well, frankly, he, he needs to extend that compassion further than he might be able to do or not able. Able's not the right word. Not, no, it's more than he was taught to do. I yes. Mean, I think that, yeah. Uh, I was listening to a preacher this week, our friend Cindy McDonald down yeah. at Barnesville, and she said, I don't think a child ever is born with prejudice. Yeah. I think a child learns that mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. And so uh, you have to believe Jesus is a product of the culture in which he is grows up. Yeah. And there is a real sense 
uh, and even some of the reading that I've done is that the people of Tyre were oppressing the Galileans. Oh, okay. And some have even thought that her penitence is an act of saying, I don't want to be part of repressing and oppressing the Galileans anymore, keeping them from the resources that they need that come through yeah. the seaport. And so there's some who've tried to say his harsh reaction to her is because of the way that the people from Tyre and Sidon had treated the Galileans, which I think is interesting. But I still think we're really trying to get away from the harshness. We're, yeah. We don't want Jesus to be harsh. And so we're doing anything we can to explain it away. We do that, don't we? We like to uh, we like to read our values into Scripture, don't we? Um, yeah, so this is such for me, a compelling story. I I do think that there's something really interesting that, about that idea that this is a turning point in Jesus' ministry, that this is a, this is a moment where he can begin to open up um, and begin to kind of show the wide and deep love of God to all, um, show that kind of grace. But I really find the Syrophoenician woman herself to be... Um, inspirational I think I think there's something that is really powerful about staring into moments of deep fear and uncertainty and even and even um, the pain that comes from being treated poorly by by someone that you revere but by being able to look that directly in in the eye to accept it, and to still move forward, knowing what is important to you, knowing what needs to be done, and and humbly working for what is good. Um, I, I find that to be a lesson that I think is incredibly powerful for us today. Because I think we, we tend to have really complex ideas about um, what is just and what is right and what is fair. Um, and that didn't really come into the question here. She's That's not right. like, this is fair. She just said, this is real and this is good. And this is what I'm fighting for. Right. Um, even, even if Jesus was going to be a little mean to her. <laughs> it sounds like her witness was really comfort food to you. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely for sure. Um, you know, in, in this moment in my life, certainly that is important. But I also think that in general, you know, we all are up against something in our day-to-day lives. And I think for many of us, there can be kind of a sense of futility um, in our professional lives or in our our personal relationships or, you know, just living in this kind of COVID existence that will not seem to end. We, I think it's really easy to kind of look at our day-to-day lives and sometimes wonder, like, why am I doing this? And the Syrophoenician woman has an answer to that. And her answer is, because I believe that things can be better. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, Phil, um, as we are wrapping up our discussion today, is there anything else you want to maybe invite our listeners to think about as they prepare for um, worship with us this week? I guess the question that you might bring uh, together is what needs healing in your life? Yeah. And it might not be something in in your own uh, body, but it might be something in the body of your family. It might be in the something of the body of your community mm-hmm. or our larger world. Uh, what would you like to bring to Jesus and say, Jesus, could you heal this? Yeah, yeah. And and I think also thinking kind of creatively about what that healing looks like is probably a good thing, too. Um, 
kind of wrapping our minds around, you know, how, how we can be a part of, um, of that healing after we've kind of brought it to Jesus and trusted Jesus with it. That's great. It's interesting that this Sunday night we kick off our tribes group. Yes. And uh, unfortunately, um, you know, there, there's, well, fortunately, there's going to be some healthy competition between these <laughs> tribes. It's going to be, you know, almost 200 students out on our ball field gathering for some healthy competition, but also yeah. worship. And I think at the same time, they're in their own little tribes there's a sense that we're all in this together. Yeah. And I really think that Jesus is offering more places at the crowded table that we're all invited to. So I hope you'll join us this Sunday. Absolutely. We'd love to be able to worship with you and to spend some time in fellowship. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to our story this week. We'll be back with you next week. Thanks for listening to the Our Story podcast from Dunwoody UMC. Visit us online at dunwoodyumc.org and join us for online or in-person worship every Sunday. This August, join us inside at 8.30 a.m. for worship in the chapel, at 9 a.m. for contemporary worship in the sanctuary, or 11.15 a.m. for traditional worship in the sanctuary. As COVID cases and hospitalizations rise throughout Georgia, DUMC will require all people, regardless of vaccination status, to wear masks while in indoor public spaces. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to see our videos on YouTube. Finally, visit us online and click sign up for emails under the connect tab to get announcements delivered to your inbox every week. We hope you'll join us and add your story to ours.